Hello, everyone, and welcome. My name is Jennifer Rizzio, founder of Soul Language and Soul to Business. And this is Ask and Answered by Soul. This podcast is dedicated to providing you with tangible tools to embody your divinity and create a life based on freedom. Each podcast is focused on a topic that will guide you to listening and utilizing your essential nature. During each show, I ask an expert three key questions so you can understand that you're not alone on this journey and that your soul is the key to forming a life full of abundance, purpose, and passion. The goal of each interview is for you to take away a practice that you can do right now to change your life and understand what assistance is out there in the universe to support you. And I'm really excited about today's guest because we're talking about what is emotional tanking with Ariel Ford? If you don't know Ariel Ford, I would be totally surprised. She is a celebrated love and relationship expert, author, and speaker whose mission is to help people find love, keep love, and most importantly, be loved. She is a gifted writer and the award-winning author of 11 nonfiction books, including the international bestseller, The Soulmate Secret, Manifest the Love Your Life with the Law of Attraction. She has also written many groundbreaking books, including Turn Your Mate Into Your Soulmate and Wabi Sabi Love, The Ancient Art of Finding Perfect Love in an Imperfect Relationship. And there's Miss Hart, the crazy dog. So we're just going to ignore her, everyone. And the post office man is here. Welcome, Ariel. I'm so excited for you to be here. And I love to start with my first question which is what does your soul share with you throughout your journey? Um, my soul never shuts up. <laughs> my soul is talking to me as a conversation in my head, as, you know, spirits whispering in my ear, as, you know, butterflies and hummingbirds showing up, different signs, uh, people coming to me in my dreams. My, my soul is, is a busy girl. She's got a lot to say. And if I don't pay attention to the subtle, the subtle nudges, I get hit over the head. I always say I get hit by a two by four. And actually once it literally was hit by a two by four in New York City street. Um, I love that. And I think this is really important because I, you know, I think people don't really understand that the soul is going 24 seven and a lot of what they're healing, hearing isn't their mind. It's their soul. They're just hearing it through layers of ego or pain or suffering. So it's a little misunderstood. Um, so I love this subject about emotional tanking and what does that, can you give us a little brief background on what that means for the listeners? Yeah, so I first really discovered emotional tanking quite by accident. I had a boss in the late 1980s who was uh, kind of a rageaholic. You know, he he had quite the temper. And in fact, before he came into the office every day, we would call, this was in Beverly Hills, we would call the surf hotline because <laughs> we knew if surf was up, he'd be out surfing and he would come into the office pretty mellow. But oh. we also knew if there was no surf, it could be a, a difficult day. And he was married to a woman who was very passive and quiet and seemingly kind. And then one day I was driving down Melrose Boulevard and I saw her uh, getting out of her car. And I don't remember what happened. Somebody did something. 
And she ripped this person a new one. She went off into a rage like I've never seen before. And I was totally shocked. And this all happened in a matter of seconds because I kept driving. (laughs) I just knew that, oh, my God, I thought Steve was the angry one. (laughs) But, oh, my God, he's married to Leslie. And then I realized that, that maybe all of Steve's anger wasn't all his. Maybe because she had this outward um, appearance, this mask that she wore of the good girl, the nice, kind, caring, compassionate person. And he was being tanked, you know, like he because that energy has to go somewhere. Right. And when you're in a relationship, it doesn't matter if it's romantic or business or whatever, you know, your partner's going to end up expressing it if you don't. You know, if you're all by yourself and you don't have a lot of people around you, then you'll just suppress it and it'll turn into illness, you know, or all of those things will right. happen, right? All of those things. Uh, not that, not that anybody who's sick is to blame because I hate it when we blame the victim, you know, but however, that the energy has to go somewhere. So I would say in a nutshell, that's what I believe tanking is. And, and I know that sometimes when, um, when I'm being tanked, when I feel it, I'm aware that this isn't my stuff. Where did I just come from? And sometimes it could be as simple as I walk through the living room. My husband had the news on. There was some newscaster who I can't stand pontificating and bloviating. <laughs> and that triggered me. So then I'll go and I'll do some EFT tapping or I'll put on my inner balance heart math app, or I'll take an aromatherapy bath. I have a big, big, big toolkit, you know, and I'll get them all out and I'll release it. I'll cut cords. I'll do whatever I need to do. Because the one thing I've learned over the years that has really made my life better is taking personal responsibility for my own energy and my own feelings. Yeah, I think that's really important. And, you know, I think when we're being emotionally tanked, right, is to pause and I always go, is this mine? And if it is, it kind of sticks with me. If it isn't, it starts to fade away or dissipate. And of course, if it's something that I share in common, right? Like the not enough, right? We all have not enough. But if you're kind of walking through a haze of not enough of your partner, or your business partner, or, you know, the person at the supermarket, you could sometimes think that that not enough is also yours, right? And so then there's additional shifting that we can do, right? We we do the meditation. We we do have a lot of tools in our toolbox, you know, and I think so often that we get so caught up about moving so quickly and getting stuff done and being there for other people that we're not really conscious of what's really energetically going internally about our own landscape. What is one of the the What is one of the tools that you utilize for awareness? Like, how do you keep being aware? Because we can tendly go on autopilot sometimes. You know, I I don't really feel like I have a choice about the awareness. It's just there all the time. And, you know, quite often, I like to remind myself of my favorite Wayne Dyer quote, which is, don't believe every thought that you have, right? (laughs) Just because I'm having this thought. I really need to stop and say, well, is that true? 
no, that's just bullshit. That's an old pattern. That's just my core wound acting up, you know, okay, well, do I need to do anything to shift it? Or is just being aware of it enough? And quite often just acknowledging, oh, that's not mine. The thing that's changed in, in the last three or four years since the pandemic is that we pretty much all of us conscious people realize that we are in the midst of an 80 billion person nervous breakdown. Mm-hmm. Everybody's fucked up right now. Yeah. They were before. But, but now but, it's like in our face. We can't now, miss right it. now <laughs> it's everywhere and we know it. And it's a little safer to acknowledge and talk about it, you know, and, um, you know, so it's really important to, to start discerning what's mine and what isn't mine. And it doesn't matter who else it is, you know, unless you're living with that person in which, you know, in which case you have to have deeper communication. Like I was, um, so I have a new book out. It came out in June and, and writing the book took five years. That was a lot of energy and effort, but the worst part is now upon me, which is the marketing of the book. Which and takes I, even it's more effort. <laughs> and it's, it's so hard and I'm so resistant and, and I, sometimes whine to my husband, you know, because I want it to be easy and it's not. And he, and he finally said to me the other day, you know, because he had a stroke a few years ago, he just, you know, since I had this stroke, I'm a lot better. And when your energy is like this, it makes it really uncomfortable for me. And I was like, oh, I could see how that is because I don't want to listen to anybody whining. But then what do I do with the whining? Fortunately, I have friends where I, you know, we have agreements where we can vent, you know, like I, they're, they're not going to get triggered because they don't live with me, you know? And then Brian did give me a mantra the other day for when I get like this. And I hope your audience won't be offended, but the mantra is it's just a fucking book. <laughs> I love it. I think, I think that's really important because so often in living our purpose, which the listeners are living their purpose. We, we have this overwhelming feeling like, Oh my God, this is a life and death situation. And guess what, everyone, there's very few life and death situations that we come face to face with. And I think that's one of the the reasons why we're all kind of really outwardly openly losing our minds is because we're like, Oh wait, we've been doing this life and death craziness in our heads for so long. Wait, there is really life and death out there. Okay. So we're just going to all fall apart a little, you know, and I think that's so key in understanding that it's just, it's just a book or it's just a client and no one's the source for us, but source and coming back to our own energy. And so as you guys are evolving your relationship and as people evolve their relationships, I always tell people to kind of get in the bathtub, like leave everything outside to discuss and imagine you're in the bathtub for clear, you know, easy conversation. So you're not bringing all of your garbage as much as you can into the conversation. How, how do you suggest people in relationship communicate so we're not getting all tangled up in each other's energies. Well, there's a cu- couple of things. Um, you know, the first thing that, that I do when I see that I'm getting plugged in or triggered is I take a time out. You know, it's like, I don't want to stay there. I don't want to say something I don't mean. I want to understand what exactly I'm being triggered by, you know? So I'll just say, listen, I, I'm, I need, I need to go take a bath, but the bath is my happy place. Like, 
you know, put in half a bottle of lavender oil or rose oil and I just get in there and sit. And then it'll, you know, it'll bubble up. It'll come to me what it is, you know, and then I can go back and have a rational conversation. But um, it's hard, you know, I mean, because there's so much, so many ways to miscommunicate, you know, and I'm a very clear communicator. And my husband is not a clear communicator. He, he, uh, I don't know how to describe it. It's like a kaleidoscope, <laughs> you know, and then he can't come up with the words. And he goes, you know, you know, remember, and I don't, I don't know what he's talking about, you know, and, and now we've turned it into a joke, you know, because he'll say, well, well, you know, it's that thing and the no, 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 no. And sometimes the answer will come up and sometimes it won't. But when the answer comes up, Every time it comes up, I now say, Anshuman. <laughs> and now what that means is we once knew this guy named Anshuman, and we were trying to, to talk about him. And we knew, I knew who he was talking about. He knew who I was, and we couldn't think of his name. And finally, we called a friend of ours. And I was like, remember that guy who did this? Yes, his name was Anshuman. So that's sort of our code with, thank God we figured it out. But the, the number one thing I tell my clients is you must learn how to ask clarifying questions whether it's a first date or your you know 90 year old grandmother if they say something that makes you pull back a little bit that that you know you don't like or somehow it does something to you what you need to do is stop and say hey let me see if i've got this straight we were just talking about abc and did did you just say xyz because you want to make sure you really heard it. And chances are they'll say, oh, well, no, what I really meant was one, two, three, you know, and now you have clarity and you're not wanting around with, oh, my God, grandma's a racist or whatever the thought is that you have, yeah. you know, you have a deeper understanding. Yeah, I think that's really important. I mean, I, especially with highly intuitive people, because we're so used to reading behind the lines, right? And in order to engage in a conversation, you have to have a relationship with what the person is bringing to the table and ask questions. And, you know, I don't know Warner's soul languages. My boyfriend, we've been dating eight years and I don't know. And when I tell clients, they're like, they're like shocked. And I was like, no, I want to have a relationship with Warner on a tangible level. Yes, we have a metaphysical, spiritual relationship and connection, but I really don't, I don't want to know behind the curtain. I want to hear it out of his mouth and not assume. And I think so many times in relationships, we're doing so much assuming that we're not really clear and we're bringing all of our baggage to the table in that relationship. So I... I love the clarifying questions. I think it's so important. What do you feel is, and this is kind of a weird question, but what do you feel the benefits of having that loving relationship are in a person's life? Um, I love that question. Um, I think, so I don't believe that every single person needs to be with a soulmate life partner. But what I do believe is if that's the desire that you have, then that's an indication from your soul saying that that person's out there looking for you just as you're looking for them and that your life will be better for it. You know, like we live in a day and age where women don't need a man. We just don't. However, having a man that you're in love with or a woman these days, it doesn't matter. Having a partner that you're in love with is the icing on the cake. 
right? It just makes everything taste better, look better, have more fun. You have someone who has your back. You have a best friend, a lover, a safe place to land, someone who's going to drive you to your eye doctor appointment when they're going to make your eyes go big. You know, like all those little things. There's a million great reasons to have a partner. I I really, actually, there was a Harvard study done over 87 years, and it was only done with men, where they looked, I think it was 2,500 men, and they interviewed them every other year for 87 years, as long as the ones lived that long, to determine what what is the highest quality of life. And what they discovered, it wasn't money, it wasn't fame, it wasn't education. What it was, was a long-term, happy, committed marriage or partnership is what had people live the longest and be the most satisfied. And if it wasn't a partner, then it was community. So we were not meant to do life alone. So if you don't have a romantic partner, fine, you know, fall in love with your next door neighbor and your nieces and your nephews and your cats and your dogs. Because in my book, cats and dogs can easily be soulmates. Oh, yeah. I met my soulmate, Roxy, a couple of years ago, and that dog looked at me and I looked at her and we never met. She came out of my boyfriend's car, ran up the two flights of stairs, and I looked at her and I went, she looked at me, I was like, oh, hello again. It was like instant. And I, I think those connections are so powerful and teach us so much about ourselves and about experiencing the fullness of life. And I think the most important thing you said that I think would give a lot of people comfort was if you have a desire to have a soulmate, that means that that soulmate is looking for you too. Because I think so many people get disheartened about, I don't have my soulmate, I want one. But that statement alone, I think can give people not only hope, but a direction and a evolutionary path to being in that relationship. That's a profound statement. And and what I would want intuitive people to know is that when it comes to choosing a life partner, don't trust your intuition. You are going to bypass so many good people because women in particular tend to choose a partner based on feeling. And that is not the way to do it. They yeah. believe that love is a feeling. Oh, I know that I love you because I feel like champagne bubbles are going through my veins. And what that is, is your brain on drugs. It's your brain on dopamine and oxytocin and adrenaline and serotonin. And it's the great, being in love is the greatest drug high ever. And it is zero indication that you're selecting a good life partner. So you can't trust your feelings there because what you want to do is you want to look for somebody who, with whom you have connection compatibility, some chemistry, although wild chemistry is not the most important, clear communication, which is essential and can be learned. And the single most important factor in predicting a long-term happy partnership is a shared vision for the future. Yeah. I, I love everything. I mean, I remember the moment me and God having this conversation about Warner going, oh, this guy likes me, blah, 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 my intuition. And, you know, God went, you know, you can choose. And I was like, oh, okay. And the phone rang and he's like, do you want to go on another date? And I was like, oh, 
And he goes, you know, you can choose. And I went, oh, yeah, okay. Right. Like maybe it's time to stop, you know, looking at the feeling state or what I think I want and really look at this person and see what this can look like on a larger, grander scale. Because the truth about love, and there are some good feelings to love. It's not that the feelings aren't there. You just don't choose based on the feelings. Love is a behavior. Love is a choice. Love is a decision. Love is an action. Love is a way of being. And anybody who's had a long-term partner knows you can love your partner and there will be days when you hate them. And it doesn't mean that you don't love them. But if you're always looking to your feelings about whether or not to be with them, then you're, you're going to constantly lose. You can't win. Right. Yeah. I, I think that's really important. And I think, you know, maybe it's coming, maybe it's the age, but I think, you know, since we're kind of at this distortion of what love is, you know, uh, it took me a long time to realize like I could profoundly love Warner and not like him all at the same time. And it was okay. And that doesn't mean that, you know, we shouldn't be together or this wasn't going to last or, or any of that, but to deal with what is consciously versus what I think should be. Now, Ariel, you have a new book out. Can we talk about the new book? I would love to talk about the new book. So it's it's called, it's called the love feast. It's a romantic spiritual thriller with a juicy revenge subplot and a surprise happy ending. And I have a Hollywood producer who's going to turn it into a limited streaming series. And she says the book is Eat, Pray, Love meets Dirty John. I love that because I love both of those things. Right. And that's what it is. And it it gives you a part of, of, for me personally, of all of those things that I love that drag me into a story Right. My friends joke around because I, I fall asleep to murder TV. Like, I like it. Right. It, oh, I love true crime. It, true right? crime is my passion. It just, I've read every book ever written by Anne Rule. I love true crime. Right. Because for me, it's like, I'm really so engaged about how people think, how people feel, their motives, their understanding. All of it is so fascinating to me. So, um, now, what was the inspiration? Because that's a little, you know, you've written a lot of nonfiction books, right? So what made you write this book? Because that sounds fascinating. So writing a novel was never on my to-do list. What happened was that the book started to appear in my head like a movie. And I could see that it was a novel, And I thought, go away. A, I don't want to write any more books. And B, I don't know how to write a novel. So go away. And it wouldn't go away. And I kept seeing that a lot of it takes place in Rishikesh, India, a place I've been to that I really like. And I was like, go away. (laughs) And and at the same time that happened, I got an email from masterclass.com offering a Dan Brown course on how to write a thriller. And I love Dan Brown. He's love, good. Love, love Dan Brown. So I thought, oh, I'll sign up for this because I want to hang out with Dan Brown. The third video episode was location as a character in the book. How Florence, Italy was a character in Da Vinci Code. I was like, wow, that is so amazing. Like if I were ever going to write the book, I'm not going to write. Rishikesh would be a, lo- you know, would be a character in the book, right? So 
the movie's coming and coming and I can see it and I get it and it's interesting. And I'm like, but I don't know how to do it. I don't want to do it. So I sat down and I talked to God one day and I said, listen, God, I do not want to write this book. However, if I'm supposed to write this book, I need a sign. And here's the sign that I need. I need to manifest a $7,000 business class ticket to Rishikesh to do more research. And then I felt this amazing sense of relief. Oh, my God, that is never going to happen. <laughs> and, of course, it happened. 48 hours later, I <laughs> took it in my hand, and off to Rishikesh I was. And as soon as I got there, all the places in the movie in my head that I saw, I walked into. Yeah. And it became very clear that God, God, as my dead sister and all the ancestors were basically using me to write this book, it took so much longer than I ever expect, almost five years. And now that it's done, I couldn't be happier with it. I love the book. I love the cover. I love the response I'm getting. Readers readers write to me all the time and they say, you know, you wrote this book for me. Yeah, because you did. You know, that's what happened. But I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know that almost every woman on the planet has been cheated on and had her heart broken by a toxic narcissist. And that's sort of the essence of the story. And so women call and they tell me, oh, my God, I cried and cried for the first time. I felt like somebody understood what I went through because they don't talk about it. And the reason they don't talk about it is because they felt so much shame that they stepped over the red flags, that they went for it anyway, even though some part of them knew this was too good to be true. And of yeah. course it was. Of course, I have one. We, my friends refer to him as the dick. We don't really talk about him anymore, but yeah, yeah. And I think that, you know, I always tell clients, you, you can't date the soul just because you see the soul of a being. You can't date that. You have to date with the actual what they bring to the table and be conscious of it. Um, as we wrap up, uh, we'll have all of your book and everything in the show notes, but where can people get more of your goodness? How they, can they get more of you? Well, I've got a YouTube channel <laughs> and there's a ton of stuff there. My website, which is my name, rl4.com, has a tab called free stuff. Lots of free stuff there. I'm on Instagram, rl4.44 on Instagram. And the website for the book is thelovethief.com. And you can get this free, incredible yoga video series. I went to eight of the world's top yoga teachers. I gave each of them a negative emotion and then had them make a video that gives the yoga philosophy and the yoga poses to heal betrayal, heartbreak, sadness, uncertainty, all of anger, forgiveness, so it's this incredible series. It's totally free. You can download it at thelovethief.com. That series sounds freaking amazing. Um, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to chat with us today. And I always end my podcast with this question. If you were a magnet on whatever you call your higher powers refrigerator, what would your magnet say? Oh, I love that question. <laughs> what would my magnet say? Um, well, my favorite, favorite quote is it's a both and world. It's both the way you say it is and the way I say it is. And I believe that's always true. But I also have a second one, which is from A Course in Miracles, which says, 
The only thing that can be lacking in any situation is that which you are not giving. Ooh, that's a good one. That's kind of a quote that you could read every day for an entire year and get more meaning in that. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. I love quotes. Thank you so much for playing with us today. I am so grateful. Thank you. This is really fun. Everyone, you've been listening to Ask and Answer by Soul. This podcast is dedicated to helping you understand that your soul is the answer. If you're interested in learning more about your soul's answer and your purpose, access your free guide at themissofpurpose.com. Please feel free to share this podcast with your community, leave a comment, contact me directly. But most importantly, reach out to these guests because you will not be sorry. All right, everyone, as I say, bye for now. Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An electric cast production. See you there. Electric Acid. Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. Oh, that's my name is Prince Daniels Jr. Daniels again with a big On this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Electric acid.